Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Unlikely Pastor Wife. My name is Allison Moore, and I am your host for today. I'm so glad that you're joining me for this episode entitled Why I Left My MLM. I think it's going to be an important topic to cover today. And I have to say at the very beginning, disclaimer, the views and opinions shared here by myself are of myself and me alone. They do not necessarily reflect the official policies or positions of any company or persons discussed. Any content provided by myself are my opinions and my experience and are not intended to defame any company or individuals. So you know it's going to be an interesting podcast when you have to start with a disclaimer. So with that being said, let's go. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to this episode of The Unlikely Pastor Wife. I'm so glad that you're here. Um, Before I start, disclaimer, two disclaimers. We live by an Air Force base, and so fighter jets are constantly flying over our home, which we love. But if you hear that in the background, that's what it is, all right? Hopefully, um, you don't hear it. But if you do hear some noise in the background, it's because it's fighter jets. Um, Secondly, so more important disclaimer. I know I did the disclaimer at the beginning and the intro of the episode, but I also wanted to be very clear about my intentions behind this episode. Um, My goal is not to defame any one person, a company, call anyone out, nothing like that. My goal in doing this is to explain why I left the MLM I was in when I was very successful at doing it. And um, I feel like there are probably people out there in the, the MLM space that see things as I see it or are looking at getting out and they're scared or they're nervous. Um, my goal is just to bring awareness and share my experience through like my the lens, the lenses that I wear. So that is my that is my first and number one goal. Um and a lot of you have followed me for a while um, on, on social media and things. And you know, I took a huge pivot in 2022 with my life. And I've had so many people ask me. And so I thought, you know, I'm just going to put out a podcast um, kind of explaining my story and why I left my MLM. So a little backstory. Um, I was in the health and wellness space for five years, close to five years. And um, I had done this particular health program three times. So I had done it, I don't know, back in like 2011, 2012, 2011, I think. Um, and then I did it after I had my son right after like four weeks after I had my son and it was very unhealthy for me. I had to stop. And then I did it in 2018. I called my friend and I said, Hey, I need to lose some weight. And she was like, great, let's get you on the program. So I was very, very successful, um, with the program. And then I was really encouraged to become a coach. Like every other time we talked, she was at, you know, saying, Hey, you should be a coach. Have you thought about coaching? And I had seen my friends build a very lucrative business and a nice lifestyle for themselves doing this. So it was intriguing to me. So, um, I just decided like, well, why not? (laughs) You know, if I can make a little extra money, um, you're told, you know, if you become a coach, you're more likely to keep the weight off. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to try to make a little money to pad our budget. Um, and I was successful pretty quickly in starting this quote unquote business. Now, let me just preface this by saying I'm using quotes when I say business, because if it was really my business, I wouldn't have to do a disclaimer at the beginning. 
I wouldn't have to just cover my legal, my legal aspects of like, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm not trying to defame anyone. If it really was my business, I could openly share and not have to worry about that. But I, it's not your business. You are a 1099 contracted person with these types of companies. And so you're not a small business owner. You are, you are, you've signed a contract. You are kind of owned by this company. So hence why I had the disclaimer. So just a little side note, when I use the word business in this episode, I use it just because it's the only word I know how to use. Okay. Um, so, you know, for me, I, I grew pretty quickly because I have, you know, Ryan and I, we lived, my husband and I, we lived all over the country. And so even in the line of work that we do in terms of him being a pastor, we have a high sphere of a large sphere of influence and we have high trust with people. And, um, I feel like in these MLMs, they, I don't want to say target because that's a very strong word, but I think that you are, um, pegged very quickly as somebody who would do very well recruiting people. Again, high trust, high sphere, a large sphere of influence. Um, I, I even heard of a top leader in the company I was in flying to California to recruit a particular person whose sister is her twin and she's very popular and famous, quote unquote, in the Christian speaking world. So this top leader flew to California to recruit this person to coach because of the sphere of influence and the visibility that this person has. And so I think there is a there is a pegging, there is a targeting essentially of people who would make good quote unquote coaches because they know they have a large sphere of influence and high trust with people. So, I mean, to be honest, people have lists in their offices of people they want to recruit. Um, I was on lists. So, and I don't say that to boast myself. I'm just saying I was on a list because I think of just who I am. I just live my life out loud. I always have. I'm unapologetic about that. Hence, I'm doing a podcast, you know. So, um, I got, I got started. I was just very successful really quickly. And so for years, everything was going really well. I, I felt like I had found my niche and I was making really good money doing it. Okay. I was not one of these people in MLMs that makes no money. I was making six figures when I finally stepped back, um, which was the most money I'd ever made personally in my life by myself. And, um, so full disclosure though, I will tell you most people make little to no money in MLMs. It's really hard to start. Um, and honestly, it's hard to build this business for various reasons that I won't go in. I won't go into, but, um, for me, I just, I was, I was loving what I was doing. I felt really like I just had found my space, you know, I'd found my people. Um, and then cracks started to surface and things, red flags started to pop up and dominoes started to fall in my thinking. And I couldn't pick those dominoes back up and justify why they fell. And these were kind of the, the red flags that came up. So the first red flag was a, a top leader left, like a tippy top leader on stage doing trainings, like everyone knew who she was. She'd been on social media, promoting her business, promoting the program, all of this. And then all of a sudden she disappeared from social media, like her Instagram and Facebooks were still there, but it was like nothing was happening on them. And if you know anything about these types of businesses, you're encouraged to post all the time. Um, to the point where it gets annoying. I'm sure a lot of you following me have like unfollowed me on social media because of the annoyance that it is. Um, but this person just disappeared. 
And then a few months later, she resurfaced with new social medias, like starting from scratch. And being the eight on the Enneagram I am, I just went to her and I was like, what the heck is going on? Like, are you with this company? What's going on? And she was like, I can't talk about it. I was like, oh, well, that's weird. Why not? Well, year a year later, practically, I found out this person had been under a cease and desist. So again, it's not your comp- it's not your business when you're slapped with a cease and desist, right? Um, but before that, after I'd asked her and she said she couldn't say anything, I went to my leader. I went to my coach and I said, "Hey, why did so and so leave? Like, what's going on?" And I was basically told almost verbatim, you know, we didn't give that a lot of energy, time, or space. And I, I was like, well, what? Like this person was your, supposedly your friend, like you're on the same level, like you're at events together. Like I'm so confused. Like I felt like she was dismissed, just like she's not with us anymore. We're not talking about it. We're not giving space. We're moving on. Like just disregarded. And that was like a major red flag to me because I was like, that's weird. Like, I don't understand. Like, if you can't say anything, at least just say, hey, I can't say anything. But to act like she was just disregarded and we're moving on with life, like moving on. I just felt like people were disposable and I didn't like that. So that was like the first red flag that came up in my mind. The second red flag um, I watched Lula Rich and it's on Amazon Prime. And if you don't know anything about Lula Rich, it's a documentary about Lula Roe, which is an MLM for clothing. Um, it, you know, the, the big bold leggings that was all the rage, like several years ago. So it was about this company and, um, their practices. And I went into it with a critical eye because I was still in the business I was in and I was like, I'm going to watch this because I'm just curious, but I'm going to go into it with kind of a critical eye of like, oh, well, that doesn't happen in our company. That doesn't happen in our company. But the opposite happened. I was like, oh, there are a lot of parallels. And I tried to justify them away, but I, I couldn't. So I was seeing some parallels and I couldn't ignore them. And Come to find out, as I started to step away from this business, quote unquote, again, all in quotes when I say business, um, I found out a lot of coaches had actually watched that. And that was their catalyst for slowly leaving the business. And what's crazy is when you're in MLMs, they're going to tell you not to, not to research anything, not to look anything up. Just listen to what the leaders say. Um, you know, don't watch things that are negative. Don't. Don't listen to the quote unquote haters, which the haters are really people who just are like, you know, um, are you sure? Is this the right thing? And so watching Lula Rich just like really was another catalyst for me being like, I need to take a closer look here. (laughs) Like I really need to be aware of what's going on and um, pay attention to red flags. So some of the parallels that I noticed and... um, I just want to preface this by saying, I'm not going to say that I was in a cult, okay? But MLMs can be described as commercial cults. And if you do any research on them, you will see that. Um, This is what, from my experience, what I saw as red flags, okay? So the first thing was information control. Again, they don't want you to Google anything. Just listen to leaders. Don't work outside the system, Um, we've done it this way and we were successful. So you need to do it this way so you can have the success that we've had. Don't change anything up. 
Um, don't cross line. That was a really big thing. I remember we had gone to dinner or we'd gone to somebody's house for dinner that was also a coach who was not in my specific organization. So she was like in another organization, another downline. And I got a call a couple days later from my upline. Let's just use MLM terms, upline and downline. They don't call it this in this particular MLM, but that's basically what it is. Um, and so I got a call from my upline and she was like, Hey, I noticed you guys were at dinner with so-and-so. I just want to make sure you're not cross-lining. And I'm like, what, what do you mean? Not cross? Like we're both in the same business. Like, why would you care if we're like having conversations about our business and what works for you and what doesn't work for you and what have you done? But it was like, no, no, we just don't want you to cross line. And there was always this talk about not going to other people and talking about it. If you have a question, you go to your upline. If you want an idea of how to run your business, contact your leader, run it by them. They know if it'll work or not. But again, if this is your business, why can't you talk to who you want to? And why can't you run it the way you want to? But there was always this like information control. Don't listen to haters. Don't Google anything. Um, when you see these particular people posting on social media, you'll see they never say the name of the program. That's because they don't want you to go Google it. They want you to get on a phone call with them. They want to talk to you. Um, again, no Googling anything. So there was just like this, this information control that was very strange to me. And again, things that just after to over time, I was like, that's a red flag. Like, that's weird. Um, you could never really bring up issues because it would be quote living below the line. And that's a big saying in this particular company, don't live below the line, which is really a way of controlling info. So living below the line is living in negative thought, feelings, or emotions. So don't bring up negative things. If you do bring up negative things, we're going to gaslight you to make you think that those things aren't really, aren't really true. Or that's only you are having an issue with that. No one else is having an issue with that, you know? And sometimes it's just like concerns or legit questions, but you always had to live above the line, which leads me to toxic positivity. And these are all words I have learned within the last year. Again, always being positive. I'll give you an example. So in 2020, there was a massive shortage of the product that clients were consuming and people were mad. The, you know, they're paying a lot of money and their choices were so limited and people were mad. Coaches were mad. Clients were mad. People were bringing it up all the time. And we were just told, be positive, just be positive, steer the conversation away from that. Um, just constantly like, we're not going to talk about it or the company's doing what they can, but people were really, truly mad. And when it was brought up, it was like, Hey, as coaches, we got to be positive. Okay. Don't live below the line. We need to be living above the line and being positive about this. And you really could not, none of the serious issues were addressed like with, I think, transparency. Um, it was just kind of not even, not dismissed, but just like, Hey, we're, we're not going to talk about that. We're going to live, ab- we're going to live above the line, be positive. Um, they would take comments off of the client page. So, you know, if you're in this particular program, there's a client page and if people had any negative things to say about the program, about the company, about anything, or just questions that might be perceived as negative, they were taken offline. And that coach was told, hey, your client posted this. Can you please talk to them? We're taking this online and we don't want this on the page. So there was not a lot of room for deep questions or like real concerns. It was like, we got to keep the page pretty much positive. Okay. People could ask questions, but if they, if they turned negative at all, nope, they're off the page. So again, a lot of toxic, toxic positivity. 
Um, another thing was love bombing. And again, words I've learned over the last year, a lot of love bombing. And what is love bombing? Love bombing is basically when you pour love or encouragement or support on somebody to make them feel a part of community to eventually like manipulate them. And examples of this would be this new clients or clients that have been on program for a while on the client support page. They coaches would say, you know, you're doing so well on program. I think you should go post about your, you know, your success and what you're going through on the client page. And so the client would be like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll do that. If it can encourage somebody. So they'd go and they'd, you know, post what the great things that they were having happen. And behind the scenes, the coaches would have a thread saying, hey, I've been talking to this client about coaching and they just posted about their health journey. Can you, can everyone go show my clients some love? And so coaches would run to the client page and comment on that client's post and be like, oh, you're doing so great. Have you thought about coaching? It sounds like it's time to pay it forward. Oh, it sounds like you're going to make a great coach and completely love bomb this person to make them feel like, oh, wait, maybe I should. Like all these other people are saying I should, maybe I should. And it was just, a, honestly, it's a, manipul- it's a manipulative tactic. And I, I saw that. I never liked the love bombing. I felt it was very... Um, disingenuous and contrived. I remember like I would see coaches do it and I would message my friend who was coaching at the time and be like, oh my gosh, did you see so-and-so? They just asked us to go show love to their client again. But it was honestly just a way to manipulate people by showing them an extreme amount of love and support um, and encouragement. And it just, it is, it's gross. It's just, in my opinion, it's just, it's not genuine. It's just manipulative. There was a lot of gaslighting. Um, not only, most, I'm going to talk from the, the coach side of things, but, you know, if your business wasn't growing, it was always your fault. And it was said, you know, you either have an action, a skill, or a concept. It's either an action you're not taking, it's a skill you don't have yet or you haven't honed, or it's a concept that you have that you can't move past. But sometimes it's not growing just because it's not. People don't want the program. They don't want to become a coach. They see that it's an MLM. They see through it. Like, But you could never mention that. It was always, you're not doing enough. You have something, a concept that you're hung up on that you can't push past. You There's a skill you need to work on. You need to do more personal development. It was always you, 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 you. It was never from the side of, you know, I can understand that. Yeah, I can see that the market is probably pretty saturated right now with coaches because they want everybody to be a coach. How that is sustainable in the MLM model, I'm not quite sure because if everybody's a coach or, you know, how, how is this going to be sustainable forever? It just, just it doesn't make any sense. And so there was a lot of gaslighting. There was a lot of gaslighting too, just with clients. Like, oh, if they were having some type of reaction to the program itself, oh, I've never heard anybody have that problem before. Oh, what happened? What did you do? Did you do this? Did you do this? No, maybe it's just the program. But it was always your fault. It was always the client's fault. And that to me, I saw that so much that I just was like, no, 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 no. We have to stop gaslighting people. Um, a lot of spiritual manipulation. And guys, I want to be very careful when I say this because I know there are people who are going to listen to this who come from a background that isn't faith-based. So please hear me when I say I'm going to talk about things that are, that are faith-based here just because that's my, that's my lens. That's the, that's the world I come from. So just disclaimer on that. There was just, I felt from my experience, my opinion, there was spiritual manipulation. There was a lot of, you know, God calls Christians to make as much money as possible. 
I don't see that in the Bible. But when you're in this, it's like, oh yeah, he does. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hustle to make as much money as possible. I just saw that as a justification for wanting more wealth. When in reality, I think most people are called to live a simple life. And I have said this when I when I left. I'm like, I am I think I'm called to just live a lot more simple than what I was chasing or what I was wanting. Having more money doesn't mean that you're more generous than somebody with less money. But there's this manipulation in, like, if you're making more money, you can be more generous. Well, I know a lot of people who make very little, and they're very generous. And I could use examples in the Bible, like the woman with two mites that gave, and Jesus said, you know, she gave more than the rich person that gave because she gave all she had. But there was always this this rhetoric about, you know, you need to make as much money as you can so you can make the biggest impact for the kingdom. And it just was very, I felt spiritually manipulative. You know, more money doesn't mean more mission, but there's, there's an, there was always that like equation there that it does equal that. And there, it doesn't. So I had a, I had a hard time with that, you know, and, um, can Christians be wealthy? Sure. They absolutely can. And I actually have a whole podcast I'm going to have Ryan do with me about this. Um, I already have all the notes written out. But, you know, yeah, you can be wealthy as a Christian. But there are so many more verses in Scripture that caution people to how money can be crippling and and a danger to the believer. And so I just felt like spiritual things were used to manipulate, manipulate your desire to work the business and want more for your life. That's what it was. Don't you want more for your life? God's called you to more. And it just is a way of using spirituality to manipulate people to work the business more. Um, I, I think personally God's called us to peace through him, not through money. But money was always like the end goal in all of this. And saying things like Christians should make the most money possible, I think is a form of spiritual manipulation in my opinion. And I didn't like that. And I was like, I can't be a part of something like this where that tactic is being used. So all things pointed very, I don't want to, I'm not going to say it is, but all things pointed to kind of cultish behavior. And it was tons of red flags, tons of red flags. Um, the next thing I saw was the ego of leaders. <laughs> and this is, this is going to be a, a tough one for me to talk about, but I have receipts from a particular picture that a coach posted that I'm going to read verbatim, word for word. I'm, I'm, I pulled it up on my computer because I want to make sure I, I don't say anything wrong. I'm going to tell you exactly what the coach said in this post. Now, let me first say, because I have these pictures pulled up because I want to do it justice, but this is from a very high ranking coach, maybe one of the top ranking in the companies. He has a high sphere of influence. People listen to what he has to say, and he has a lot to say about everything, which is fine. I do too, whatever. But people just follow him and he is this mouthpiece. And so when he posted this, I was, I was abhorred. I was absolutely abhorred. So it's a picture of his dad's doctors and nurses. And he apparently took his dad to the doctor and then slyly took pictures of these people They're not thin, okay? They're not. But this is what he said in the post. I posted these pictures and captions to my story earlier today from an experience I had yesterday when taking my dad to his doctor. It really pissed a few people off for me calling out the truth and the elephant, no pun intended, in the room. So I figured I would post it here also. And then he did like a weird emoji face. My first problem is um, the elephant comment. 
it's so, I mean, not, it's bad enough that he posted pictures. Yes. He put emojis on their faces, but then to say reference elephant in the room, no pun intended with a weird emoji face, which is basically him saying like, Oh, no pun intended, but is it really now? I will say he did go back and delete the elephant in the room comment on that. So I guess we can applaud him for that. But he posted these pictures. He's calling out our healthcare system and using these people as a, an example. Okay. It was highly degrading, but it wasn't just that. It was the fact that then somebody in his private message messaged him and said this, and I have screenshots and I'll tell you why I have screenshots. Someone messaged him and said, I agree with you hundred percent, but it's unsettling that you're posting these folks' photos. Respectfully, I'm saying you can make your point without that. So someone respectfully came to him and said, Hey, I agree with the message, but the method is probably not right. It's, it's not, it's not okay. And this is how the coach responded. I blocked out their face, rolling eye emoji. Apparently that's his favorite emoji. Mind your own business or feel free to unfollow me. I don't need your negativity in my life. First of all, that person gently calling you out isn't being negative. They're calling you out because you did something wrong. You did something really degrading to people. And he's gently calling you out. He, he didn't say it on your post. He private messaged you. He did it in private, privately calling you out. Um, and this coach, he, just in his ego and his lack of humility, was like, unfollow me or mind your own business. I don't need your negativity in my life. Because that's what it is. If anybody, if anybody says anything that creates any cognitive dissonance, you're a hater. You're negative. Again, the toxic positivity thing, this is an example of it. But it didn't stop there. He then screenshot this um, interaction and posted it on his page again. And this is what he said. That's how I have the, the, the picture. Because how would I? Because it's a private message. He posted it. This is what he said to this interaction. The coach did. The small, this is a small sample of the type of BS, but he said the word, I deal with on a daily basis. Can't please people, folks. Whatever you do, say, or post, they will have issues with something. They will pick it and you apart. If you are doing big things, expect to get shade from people doing little. Oh, I'm such a victim. Don't let negative people slow you down. Keep going. Also, I don't normally respond to people, but sometimes it's just fun. So <laughs> it, it, it makes me so sick even reading this all over again. Okay. He becomes a victim again you're a hater. Um, you can't please everybody. This is, this is what I get on a daily, like such a victim mentality from someone gently calling him out. And then he goes on to say, if you're doing big things, expect shade from people doing little again. I'm so great. I'm so grand in the scheme of life. I'm doing so amazing, such amazing things. This person is doing very little in their life. And so I'm getting shade from them basically because they're a hater. They they're doing little in life. And he posted this for everybody to see, like, uh, like, look at, look at me, look what, look at how I respond to people, lack of humility, uh, immense ego and narcissism. And it didn't stop there. What really was the linchpin for me? Cause I really don't expect anything less from this person. If I'm being quite honest, I think that their true colors show up like this and they let little things out like this. And it really shows who they are, how, how awesome they think they are and how narcissistic they are. But the problem for me was that coaches licked this up. You are so right. These were the comments. You're so right. I'm so glad that you will say things that other people won't say. Real talk with the person's name. And, and I was like, wait, is no one? 
Does no one see what I see? There were a few people. There were a few people that publicly called him out, but not a lot, not a lot. And I was, I was so, it was abhorrent to me. I keep using that word because I can't think of a stronger word. And this was it for me. This was the linchpin where I said, I'm done because no one's going to call this person out. And if they do, they're called a hater. There's zero room for any accountability and the narcissism and the ego and the lack of humility. And like I said, this person's true colors came out here. They want to show themselves big and grand and like they're this humble person. They're not. This showed the true colors of this person. And I was done when I saw coaches with no discernment licking up everything this person said because they want they want to be in they want to be in the in group they want to be in the pictures with this person they want to be sitting at their feet learning and this person loves that thrives on it and I was done I was like nope this is not what I want to be a part of anymore and so that this was the this was the catalyst for me um or the the straw that broke the camel's back honestly it really was the the ego the narcissism I just I couldn't do it anymore it was just, it was so gross to me. And, and more than that, there were other things. The, the, the coaches that were constantly on and off the, the plan, the nutrition plan, they say it's lifelong transformation, but clients and coaches alike were always gaining the weight back and having to use the program over and over and over again. It became disingenuous. You cannot say it's not a diet. If you're always using the same products and always having to lose the last 15 to 20 pounds, you regain when you stop using the plan or the products. And it was said all the time, if your waistline is growing, your business is shrinking, your body becomes the billboard for your business. So there's always that pressure to not gain weight, lower your body fat percentage, always be working on some aspect of your health, health and it becomes exhausting. And honestly, it becomes an idol in people's lives. They're constantly chasing lower fat body percentage. They're constantly chasing better health. They're constantly chasing their, the, the best body they can get so that their business continues to grow. Because again, if your waistline is growing, your business is shrinking. And that is set on trainings. And if you do happen to gain weight, there's incredible shame. Because again, if your business, if your waistline is growing, your business is shrinking. I've said it so many times now. You always have to be a product of the product and it's a never ending cycle. Health became a virtue and something you were always chasing. And in my opinion, it becomes an idol in people's lives. It becomes the one, the top priority in everything. And it wasn't a life I wanted to live. As a coach myself, I never felt competent in coaching clients. I was, I felt competent. I didn't even feel competent, but I, I felt like you were constantly talked about recruiting people, but you weren't really taught how to coach clients. The people who label themselves as, as health coaches are not qualified to give any health advice. They're selling you a program and they aren't taught or qualified to give any advice except how to help you continue on the program so that they can rank or they can get a certain paycheck or they can make a lifestyle for themselves. And I know that's hard to hear. But I felt like everything was driven by money. That's the end goal. Use this as a tool to get you freedom in your life, even though you have zero qualifications to help anybody with their health. I had zero qualifications. Now, I can be a cheerleader. I can encourage people really well. But when, when 
when it came down to what is it called brass and tacks or something like that I don't know where am, is that a horse term I don't know um I I couldn't help people pass a certain thing I remember I would tell clients I think you need more than what this program can give you you need like counseling like this this is not going to solve your all your problems you need something besides this or even not this I mean I I fired clients all the time I'm like this is not for you you need to stop doing this I had to because I couldn't just like keep telling people to do the product so I could make money. I just, I couldn't do it. There's always this proverbial carrot that's dangled in front of your face in MLMs and particularly this one. And that is the carrot of freedom, freedom in time, freedom in finances. Yet the problem is that you're always filling a bucket with a hole in it. Clients come and go. Coaches come and go. You're told that the people you have on your team now won't always be there. So to always be filling that bucket, always, you're always having to prospect and it's exhausting. It's exhausting. This is not a nooks and crannies job. You're always prospecting. You're always looking at people. Do they need the program in their health or in their finances? How can I help them with this program? This program is not the end all be all to everything. And it just became exhausting. And again, I use that analogy as you're filling a bucket with a hole in it. You're, it's, it's water's coming out, you're filling it with water and it's this perpetual cycle. And yes, there are a few people who will fill their bucket up and it will stay full. And those are the people at the very top. That does not happen for most people. Most people, they're filling the bucket constantly, 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 hoping and being told your bucket will get filled one day. You just have to talk to the right people. You, have to, you haven't talked to enough people. Your bucket will be filled. Just keep going. I know people who have done this seven, eight years, and they, they have not gotten the proverbial carrot that has been dangled in front of their face, and they're exhausted. It's because the system is not going to work for 99% of the people. 1% of the people will get that bucket filled, and that bucket will be probably filled forever. But the 99% of people, that bucket is just going to keep draining and they're just, it's a perpetual cycle of filling that bucket with a hole in it. And it's exhausting for people. And you don't really have the freedom and time because you're working all the time. You're on trainings, client calls, boot camps on Saturdays, connecting with people on social media and in real life with nothing in mind, but for them to become a client or a coach. People say they get to work from anywhere, but they have to work from everywhere. And I'll actually talk about that on my hustle culture podcast that will come out in a few weeks as a follow-up to this. Um, I don't want to work from vacation, but that's like, that's, that's the integrated life. You want to live an integrated life where work and, and work and family and fun all collide. No, I think that's actually, I'm getting into my hustle culture podcast. I got to stop. I'm going to give you all that content now. I don't want to do that. You're going to have to come back to hear it. (laughs) So I'm not going to go into that part. You'll have to come back. Um, let me move on. Relationships became transactional and I didn't like the inauthenticity of that. I battled that for a long time, looking at people and if they needed the program in their health or finances, like I said, everyone's a prospect. And I was tired of looking at people through that lens. I just wanted to have like relationships with people without it ever turning transactional, without ever thinking, oh, they might become a client or a coach. Like, no, I just want to be your friend because you're fun and I like being around you, not hoping that you're going to join my team someday or that you're going to become a client or you're going to whatever. I didn't want that anymore. And if you aren't doing all the things I just mentioned, you aren't, you aren't doing the work. I'm saying that in quotes. So again, it's part of that gaslighting. It's your fault that your business isn't growing. It's not the fact that people may just see this for what it really is and don't want to be a part of it. 
But if you aren't, if you aren't prospecting, if you aren't looking, if you aren't, if you aren't creating relationships with people that might eventually become a coach or a, a client, then you're not doing the work. I remember one time I was told, um, you should be calling one person every day and inviting them to coaching. I was like, no, I'm not doing that. That's so weird. If someone called me and said, hey, I have a great opportunity for you. I think you'd make a great coach. I'd be like, uh, no, thanks. <laughs> I mean, but it was always like, well, pretend like you're hiring and you get to pick the people. No, this is not like that. This is not a hiring situation. They really have to do a lot of work and have to buy into all of this to even start. And that's, that's really hard. So no, I'm not going to call somebody every day. But again, that was, you know, oh, you're not doing the work. Well, that's work I wasn't willing to do. Never. I was never willing to do that. And they talk about freedom a lot. You can find hashtags and I'm not going to name them, but there's a bajillion having to do with freedom in your time, freedom in your finances, freedom in your life. Yet my freedom isn't in my bank account. And if I, if I have a nine to five job, that's not where my freedom lies. And I'm going to preach a little bit right here. So if you're not a faith-filled person, I'm sorry. You can fast forward a couple minutes, but my, my freedom is in Christ and Christ alone. And when I see top leaders in the company who proclaim to be Christians, and I'm not going to sit here and say they're not, that's not for me to decide. That's between them and God. But when they're preaching freedom from a program, as opposed to freedom in Christ and him crucified, it's a false gospel. It's, it's a false gospel. It's, it's the prosperity gospel masked as something different. It's the prosperity gospel masked as a purpose and freedom. And I was not going to be a part of that false gospel. It was not something I was going to be into, a part of, nothing. My freedom is not in whether I have a nine-to-five job or if I have to clock in and out or if I've, I can go on vacation whenever I want or I can... I have enough money to hire out every single thing in my life to make my life easy. That is not where freedom comes from. Freedom comes from Christ and Christ alone. And if I have nothing, but I have Christ, I have everything I need. And that has been hard for me because I, I like nice things. <laughs> you guys, I like nice things. I like designer. I like going on vacations. You guys, if you follow me for any amount of time, you know, I like nice things things. And there's nothing wrong with liking nice things. But when that becomes your sole goal and that carrot that's out there to be chasing for your whole life, it takes away from the gospel of Christ and that in him, you have everything you need. And I was not going to play into that any longer. Let me also say this, the nine to five thing. People, and this is another thing I could not stand behind. People were encouraged to quit their nine to five. Don't you want to retire? Don't you want to retire your husband? I remember going um, to Cabo and a gentleman got up. This is on one of these trips. And a gentleman got up and he said, when I come back from this trip, I have to sign my contract for next year, but I'm not going to. I'm going all in with this business. And people stood up and clapped and cheered and was like, yes, all right. And I looked at Ryan, my husband, and I said, no, don't do that. Please don't do that. Um, That's not a good idea. (laughs) I couldn't clap for it. I couldn't. And eight months later, my husband's golfing with this gentleman. And he says, you know, hey, I know that you quit your job. And how's that going for you? And the guy told my husband, I regret doing that. This has not grown like I thought it was going to. I'm going to go back to, I'm going to have to go back to work next year. I'm going to have to go back to have to go back to what I was doing. 
Like it's like the most shameful thing to have a nine to five. God forbid you have a job that actually gives you benefits, retirement, vacation time. I don't know, whatever, but you can vacation whenever you want. If you have your own time freedom. Yeah. Well, there are a lot of things to be said about a nine to five job. People having purpose in that too. Not everybody can be a coach and quit their job. We still need teachers, doctors, nurses, nurses, pastors, all the things. Okay. So this constant thing of, don't you want to quit your job? You don't want to be tied to that. I never liked that. I remember people would always ask me if Ryan was going to, you know, come join me in the business. And I was like, no, he's not. First of all, I never wanted him to, because I knew that this paycheck was very up and down. Um, but also that's his calling. His calling is ministry. I'm not going to pull him. Well, what we do is ministry. No, what you do is sales. This is an MLM is not ministry. I'm sorry. It's not. So I never wanted, I never bought into that, you know, quit your job, nine to five thing. No. And I even had heard leaders say, we want people to quit their job because then they're going to go all in in this. Well, yeah, because now they're tied to it and they burn that other bridge. I think that's manipulative. I didn't, I don't like that. I didn't want to be a part of that. I absolutely did not. And more importantly, I couldn't stand behind the desire for more all the time. Do more, have more, be more, zero contentment, always hustling. And honestly, I saw it as greed masked and justified as abundance mindset. And it didn't coincide with what I believe as a Christ follower. I didn't want to always or never have any, any contentment in my life. You know, contentment is finding joy in what God has given to you. The opposite of contentment is greed, which really destroys your capacity to enjoy what God has given. You're always needing more. That, that paycheck isn't enough. You need more. That, that, that weekend you have off, no, you need more. It, it was that vacation you had, no, you need more. It was always more, more, more. I remember multiple times hearing, if you're making six to $8,000 in this business that I was in, okay, so think about this, six to $8,000 a month, okay? I was making more than that when I started to leave. I, when I had started leaving, I, that year I'd made over $100,000 doing this business. So I didn't leave it because I wasn't making money. I just want to clarify that. I was, I was, in my mind, I was successful. But this is the thing. You're told if you're making six to $8,000, you're in the danger zone because you're going you're gonna to get too comfortable. Don't you want more? Don't you want freedom? Don't you want to make 12, 15, 20, 25, a million? What do you want to make? Because six to 8000 that's the danger zone. I mean, if you think about it, $8,000 a month is like, what, $96,000? That's not enough. You should, you should be discontent with that. You should want more. And again, it's greed. It's just flat out freaking greed. It's, it's masked as freedom and, and abundance mindset. And I, I was like, I can't do this. My soul and my spirit was not coinciding with what I was in any longer. Outside of all of that, I just want to talk about the program itself and how it affected me. And again, this is my opinion. This is my experience. Okay. I'm coming at it through that lens. Um, the program destroyed my metabolism. I went to a doctor. I'm working with a doctor now. And I went in and I said, hey, I'm gaining weight. What's going on? I'm working out. Here's my food log. And he's like, well, what have you done in the past? I told him. He was like, Allison, you have obliterated your metabolism. He's like, you were basically starving yourself. 800 to 1,000 calories isn't enough for a toddler to live on. He's like, you, your basal metabolic rate is so low now that you can eat like a normal person, 18, 2,000 calories a day, and you're going to gain weight because you have taught your body you can live off of 800 to 1,000 calories. So anything over that, you're, it's going gonna, it's gonna to store it as fat. And I was like, well, crap. 
that sucks. So he's like, you have to be okay with you're going to gain some weight while we repair your metabolism. And I was like, wow, that's really hard to think about, but okay. (laughs) So I'm now working with an actual doctor, okay, who knows what they're talking about. Not a coach that's just peddling a program, but like an actual coach or an actual doctor that knows what he's talking about, who's helping me re- re, um, boot my metabolism. So I couldn't promote a program anymore, you know, where people were thinking they were going to find a solution to their health issues to only possibly, in my opinion, in my experience, maybe have that cause more health issues down the road. And I have been listening over the year to experts in nutrition and doctors that specialize in this podcast, articles, scientific research that shows that I have destroyed my metabolism with this thing. And now I'm, I'm paying the piper for it. And it's not because I wasn't disciplined. It's not because my habits got out of whack like they want to say. No, it's because the, pro- the program could potentially be slowing your metabolism down. So you are always going to have to use it. You're always going to have to. Re- That's why coaches constantly go back to it. And it's a sad situation. And I, I, I just I want to wring my neck. <laughs> but you know what? With everything you learn and you grow, and it's been a learning process and a growing process for me. So um, I will say, you know, as of today, I'm no longer a part of this business, this company. Last year, I said this, when I, when I took a major step back because I saw all of these red flags, I was making over $100,000 a year. I did not quit because I wasn't making money or I wasn't successful. I quit because my soul And my spirit was not aligned with everything that was being promoted. And I know I'm going to be called a hater for this. Just like I said, that coach that posted all that stuff on his page. You know, if you say anything that causes cognitive dissonance in anybody, you are labeled a hater. You're negative. You're not doing, you're living small. I mean, I easily, you guys, I could look, I could have looked past all of these transgressions in the name of the almighty dollar, but I couldn't. I absolutely couldn't. And I also just couldn't, I couldn't stand behind a business model where people became like pseudo celebrities in this world and people wanted to emulate them all in the name of health, but really it was in the name of wealth. Health is the beard. Health is the mask. But the underlying goal was to create wealth for yourself. And I saw, I started becoming like that. And I was like, I don't want to be like that. I, I could have just looked past it all. And I could have, I could have, for a while, the last year I was just collecting residual income with very little effort, but I knew I wanted to start the year off fresh and not have that tie anymore. And so for me, it was, it was a matter of, I'm giving up <laughs> this massive paycheck. Okay. Most people, hundred thousand dollars a year. That's amazing. But again, you should want more. That doesn't give you true freedom. Don't you want more? Um, no, I don't. I want to be at peace with myself. I don't want to live the prosperity gospel, the false gospel of freedom. I didn't want to do that. So I said, I have to be, I'm out. I'm out. And this is not an easy story to tell. And I, I, I will probably sacrifice friendships for this. I've been blocked on social media. I've been unfriended. Um... The people I thought were in my life no longer are in my life. Um, and that's sad. And when I started speaking out against diet culture, it was, I had a lot of people just asking me questions. And I, I, there, there's a cost for me telling my story. I know that. I know that there is a cost. And I understand that. 
Um, with that being said, if you're wanting to lose weight or get healthy, whatever that means for you, because we can't immediately look at somebody and label them as healthy or not healthy. And I'm going to talk about that in my diet culture podcast. It's ready to go out in a couple weeks. So hustle culture is coming, diet culture is coming. Um, if you're wanting to make changes to your health, talk to a nutritionist, a doctor that's not just going to pedal a program to you, like really get down to what is going on. Find something that is sustainable and that isn't lining the pockets of people who are profiting off of your vulnerability, your insecurities, and your desperation. I heard coaches say, when people are desperate, they'll come to you. That's gross. That's predatory and it's manipulative. I don't want to prey on people's vulnerabilities or their insecurities or their, or their desperation just so I can create freedom in my life with wealth. No, thank you. So I, I've had to repent and ask forgiveness for my role in equating physical health to spiritual health. And if I've ever offended you or caused you to look at yourself in a negative way, I apologize. I ask for your forgiveness. If you had to unfriend me or unfollow me on social media for a while just because I was obnoxious, I apologize. I'm safe now. <laughs> okay. I'm safe now. Come back to the fold. Um, I think people who called me out on some things early on that I didn't listen to, but now going back, I, I think about what people said and I'm like, oh yeah, they were right. Oh, I hate being wrong, you guys. I hate it. But sometimes you just have to put your big girl panties on and admit it. So um, in the words of my Angelou, I will, lead, I will leave you all with this. She said, when you know better, you do better. And so, so now I know better, so I'm trying to do better. Take care of yourself, friends. Okay, that was a really long episode, and my throat is dry. No, <laughs> oh, but that's okay. Um, thank you for listening to all 50 minutes of it. If you made it to the end, good for you. I should have said this in the episode, and I didn't, but I want to say... There are a lot of people in the MLM I was in that are amazing people. I want you to know that. And if you are one of those people that's still in it and you're listening to this and you actually made it to the end, good for you for listening. I applaud you. Um, But there are people I love and adore and I think they're really good people. They don't see it the way I see it. And that's okay. We can agree to disagree. They have built lifestyles and um, completely put all their eggs in one basket. And so they can't do anything different. They're all in with this business. Um, and I get it and I sympathize with that. Um, but again, we can love each other and agree to disagree. So with that being said, if you don't already follow me over on Instagram at the unlikely pastor wife, um, please like, and subscribe to the podcast, get notifications. So, you know, when I drop a new episode and if you haven't, please leave me a review either on Apple or Spotify that will help people see that it's worth their while in listening to it. So thank you so much friends and we'll see you next week.